Good morning. And uh, yes, I hurt my foot. No, I don't have my dress shoes on. Uh, I wish I could say I fell off a beautiful mountain in Kyrgyzstan last month, but I actually just kicked a cement step. And concrete is concrete around the world. It just, yeah. So a couple broken bones, but uh, my wife says it's helping keep me humble. Um, wonderful to be with you again. I think the last time we were here was October uh, 2016, shortly after Karen and I were married. And um, we've gotten to be back uh, with you a couple of times. Um, it's just a, a joy to be with you today. Um, we want to uh, celebrate this uh, missions festival and our missionaries who are here from around the world um, by uh, bowing down before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is uh, growing fruit all around the world. All around the world, Colossians 1.6 says, this gospel is growing and bearing fruit, just as it did when it came to you. And so we're going to go, uh, let me open uh, in a word of prayer and ask God to bless uh, the reading of his word, and we'll uh, go into the scriptures. Father, we thank you for uh, this fellowship of believers who have uh, lived and loved uh, well, who've raised families and sent children and grandchildren out into the world. Um, for the younger families that right now are wrestling with life in the Silicon Valley, uh, on the edge of technology, and yet... Um, see so many of the people around them uh, walking in emptiness with families that are falling apart, with hurts that are very deep. And we pray that you will teach us this morning to be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis, that we might help people trade their sorrows for joy, uh, come into the presence of the one great healer, redeemer, who makes all things new. And we ask that you'll bless us as we seek to bless the nations, bringing the good news of Jesus' salvation to the very ends of the earth, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I'd like to talk uh, with you a little bit about God the fruit lover. I don't know if you've thought about that before. God is a fruit lover. Where did all that good fruit come from? He made it. He likes it. Lots of interesting fruit. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 61. Uh, I turned 61 this year and I was sitting and having a quiet time one morning uh, at a team retreat. I got up around 5 which is unusual for me. I sat and looked at the sun coming up over the volcano, and I thought, uh, I was reading this chapter of Isaiah 61. Open in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah 61. I suppose I should introduce my family first. Let's see if this clicker is going to work. Yeah, not so much. Um, could you go to the next slide, please? Um, my uh, wife, Karen, and I have been uh, married now for three and a half years. Uh, we were married uh, three years, nine months. Uh, ten, nine months, 14 days, something like that. Anyways, um, Karen and I were married on the 16th of January in 16, and on the 17th of January in 17, we took off for Indonesia. She's learned two languages since she was last with you, and God is using uh, her to multiply disciples in, in Indonesia, as she did in Kyrgyzstan for many years. Many of you know uh, the story of my first wife, Sue, who was one of Karen's best friends. They were bridesmaids in each other's weddings. They uh, lived uh, together and loved uh, the Lord and went off to different mission fields together. And in the grace of God, I am now married to my wife's best friend and continuing my journey uh, back in Indonesia. Thank you for praying with us as we've figured this out. It's a new, it's a new chapter and a, new, a lot of new things that God is doing. Um, the, on the table in the back, there's a few of the handicrafts that come from the felt workshop uh, where Karen... Uh, Lived in Kyrgyzstan for more than 20 years. Uh, she helped start a women's shelter 
that is uh, helping abuse and uh, people caught in domestic violence, human trafficking. Um, she's also been involved in youth camps and ministry uh, to uh, urban kids that don't have uh, healthy homes. Uh, she'll share a little bit more about that on, on Tuesday, but I just wanted you to know that our, we are continuing to minister in Kyrgyzstan. We just spent a month there. We're trying to spend a month or so every year in Kyrgyzstan, even though we live on the island of Java in Indonesia. So uh, John Kane is our near neighbor. You see he's only 7,961 miles away. Uh, we're, we're another 1,000 miles uh, south and east. Um, sometimes we get to see the folks in the Carolinas, Gary and, Gary and Karen Griffiths, because my folks live in the Carolinas. Haven't been to South Africa yet, but brother, I hope to get there. Um, and uh, Latin America, well, we've known the Avalas, and, and now uh, there's a new marriage in the family. Uh, so we're down in Colombia. You guys have got a part of, a, of God's work in the world for years, and you're connected to places and spaces you may never get to walk in, but where God is producing fruit. Much fruit, more fruit, and fruit that remains. This is an exciting time to be uh, uh, in the kingdom, in kingdom ministry. Advance the slide one more. Um, Karen's uh, kids, I should mention, are in, uh, uh, Amy is in Seattle. Joshua, her son, and her, her, her wife, <clears throat> his wife, Gabby, are down in Orange County. Next slide. My kids, uh, some of you know better. Uh, Kars and her husband Guthrie on the right are uh, in southern England planting a church. Uh, they went there thinking they were going to get supported. The support didn't show up, right? This generation, you often have to be self-funding, so they are work he's working as a carpenter. She's uh, working as a lifeguard at the biggest pool in the United Kingdom. And uh, they're paying their own way to plant a church in the city where Guthrie grew up as a boy. Um, my son Nico is in Hollywood. We'll stay back there for a second. My son Nico is in Hollywood. Last night he had another evangelistic outreach with a bunch of actors and entertainers uh, and uh, was a time of worship with a few believers and a lot of non-believers uh, present. Um, he's doing a lot of street evangelism and working with the homeless, but much of the time he's on set uh, getting bit parts in various television shows and commercials. I appreciate prayer for Nico. needs a good wife. Somebody who can handle a lot of crazy and be stable because he does a lot of crazy stuff in Hollywood. Hollywood's just, it's a gig economy, right? It's like, whoa, every day is different. Um, and then Alicia, the one on the end, you can go to the next slide, was married in uh, February this year. And uh, she married a wonderful guy named Luke. Two nights ago, we sat around a campfire, pounding on guitars and burning up wood and just worshiping Jesus with everything inside of us. And I tell you what, this generation is going to rock the world. They are, they are committed with whole hearts, all in, listening to the Holy Spirit, not too tied down by the way things used to be, and they're going to go out and they're going to reach their generation, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. But they really appreciate people who walk alongside them, not necessarily in front of them, and not necessarily behind them, but walk alongside them and say, let's do this together. I've got some things. You've got some things. Let's give it all away for the Lord. This generation, let's hear it, that's right. And, and so your children and your children's children, your spiritual grandchildren are represented well by this bunch up front here. Not all of our kids have stayed on the path. Uh, not all of our kids are doing excellently. But many of them are, and these are the people who are going to bring our grandkids back, okay, to the Lord. They're talking their language. 
They're joyfully experiencing the love and life of Jesus. And this is where fruit is going to come in this generation. Authentic living in the marketplace, in the schools, in the homes, in the shelters, bringing redemption to broken relationships, healing to broken marriages, uh, confidence in self-image to people who are confused. Jesus is going to do it through people like this that are dedicated to Christ. So keep them in your prayers. This is where fruit for our next generation is going to come from. Alicia and Luke hope to go uh, to, they're praying and asking God to send them back uh, overseas full time. They're going to start uh, back in Australia, uh, hopefully in January, if not a little later, uh, where Luke has already served for two years uh, with YWAM. Okay, let's open up the word. Uh, let's move the slide ahead. God is a fruit lover. Look at all those fruits. Some of you never even tasted some of those fruits, but those all grow in our country. Those are, uh, uh, what do you call them? Pink guavas in the front and green guavas in the back. Grapes you guys have in abundance. Uh, I don't think they have custard, custard, uh, what do they call those? Yes, anyways, they taste great because God is a fruit lover. He's made more kinds of fruit than you've ever experienced. Next slide. So let's read together from Isaiah chapter 61 where God talks about uh, a garden and where God talks about growing fruit. Let's all stand up for a second just to stretch and uh, we can read all from the same version if we read off the slide. If you're having trouble, um, it might be New American Standard, I think. Let's read together. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a fainting fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Next slide. Um, this is a very uh, powerful uh, passage. Most of you recognize that this is the passage of Scripture that Jesus read from in his hometown and then sat down after reading these verses and said, this Scripture is fulfilled today in your, hear in your own hearing. He is the anointed servant that was uh, prophesied in Isaiah. He is the one who could say in, a most, in the most dramatic and world-changing way, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the year that God's favor fell on mankind and a Savior came. Oh, what a year that was. And this is the actually the our chance to participate in God's great work because the same spirit that anointed Jesus is the spirit that anoints us. It is the Holy Spirit that changes our lives and makes them full of the fruits of the spirit, right? What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
the fruit. God loves these fruit illustrations. Some of you knew me when I was in high school. That's dating you a little bit. I don't look like right out of high school, do I? Um, and when I was in high school, uh, some of you may have joined the Bill Gothard seminars that were happening, teaching us about uh, the, the importance of hiding the word of God in our hearts, taking our family issues and our youth issues to the Lord. And I started memorizing chapters of scripture. And one of the chapters of scripture I first memorized was Psalm 1. Probably a lot of you have memorized it, short little psalm. But um, brings us uh, right into this whole issue of God-loving fruit and fruitfulness. Um, let not the wise men... Oh, wrong verse. Get me to it. Um, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by rivers of living water. Remember, this is a desert area, right? Planted by streams of living water whose root never withers, who bears his fruit in its season, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I, I somehow latched on to that passage as a young man. I think I was a sophomore in high school. And I said, is this really true, God? If I really devote myself to the word of God, to delighting in the word of God, you'll make the other things in my life prosper, like chemistry, like, like relationships, like making ends meet with finances. If I really devote myself and love your word and meditate on it day and night. And I just kind of like back God into a box and said, you going to back me up on this? And I started spending hours a day memorizing the scriptures. My brother far outpaced me, memorizing the whole book of Proverbs, word for word. The whole book of Hebrews, word for word. Probably more than one, at least one gospel and many, many of the New Testament epistles. My brother Mark, some of you know, he's a pastor in Connecticut, uh, in, not Connecticut, Pennsylvania now. Um, but the word of God planted in our hearts is able and powerful to change us and to bring fruit out of our lives. And this is what Jesus is saying in, in, uh, in calling us in John 15 to be fruitful, calling us to be unlike the Pharisees who did not bring the fruit that God wanted. So he turned the kingdom over to the apostles instead of to the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. This was the way of Jesus, to bring fruit, a fruitful living back into the world. So let's look at this passage and consider that the mission of the church is very tied to the mission of Jesus in the world to bring good news to the poor, to the afflicted, to the hurting around us. And, and they take all different shapes and sizes. They may have a lot of technology and nice clothes and things in Silicon Valley, but people are just as lost, sometimes more lost here, than they are in the far reaches of the earth. Next slide. Remember that Jesus stopped when he said that to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord because the next verse talks about judgment. Jesus didn't say it's judgment day. He said it's salvation day. And, and yet the judgment day is coming. This is an interesting fact in reaching out to Muslims. They believe in the day of judgment. They believe in the holy scriptures. They believe that God sent prophets into the world and if we don't obey what the prophet said, we're in trouble on the judgment day. They're worried about that. They, they're concerned about it. They know it's coming. For most of them, it's like, well, maybe I'm doing enough good. I don't know. 
try to catch up a little bit during fasting month, pay off the credit card, you know, once, a, once or twice a year, you put a lot of money down and hope the credit, the credit guys don't catch up with you. That's kind of the Muslim approach to living righteously enough before God. Maybe I'll make it into heaven. I think my uncle's going to make it, but me, I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. And that's the way it is. If self-righteousness is, is the way to... If, if cranking out some kind of fruit is what's going to get you into heaven, this is not what Jesus is talking about. No, he's saying that God is the one who brings comfort. God is the one who brings healing. And he's the one that makes us new. He's the one that brings forth the fruit. Uh, notice uh, in these verses uh, that Jesus said he was to bring comfort to those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, trading the oil of gladness instead of mourning, swapping a mantle of praise for a spirit of fainting. Um, some of you know that my wife has uh, focused on hurting women a lot of the last what, almost nine years now, the women's shelter. And um, she'll share more about this. But um, these women come in. Uh, their alcoholism is rampant in Kyrgyzstan and across the former Soviet Union. Violence against women is, is huge. Um, bri brides are kidnapped. About half the women in Kyrgyzstan are kidnapped and forced into a marriage not of their choosing. Can you imagine? In 2019, that is still true. There are barbaric places in the world there are customs and cultures that have enshrined evil ways of doing things. No cities nearby mentioned, but there are cultures and, and, and places that have enshrined evil ways of doing things as the norm, as acceptable, even laudable. And Kyrgyzstan has some dark things in it. The former Soviet Union has some dark things in it. And God has used the gospel to bring comfort, to swap sadness for gladness, to bring hope to broken people. Um, this, is, uh, this is the calling of Jesus. There's this, this exchange of the old for the new. New lives for old. Didn't you sing a song like that, Gary? New lives for old. Warm hearts for cold. Um, this is the, the, the way of Jesus is to bring fruit out of a barren desert. And this is the way, this is the call of God in our lives. But how do we live this out? It really does tie back to the Holy Spirit. Let's go on to the next slide. Um, oh yeah, this is this is kind of fun. So um, you, some of you have heard us sharing in the past about how God is multiplying uh, fruit among many uh, many Muslims in Indonesia. When we left uh, and saw you last in October of 2015, there were nearly 30,000 Muslim background believers that we knew about uh, in this movement in Indonesia. Small Bible studies, five and six, basically the size of the table that you're sitting at today studying the Bible and discovering uh, life through Jesus. They usually start in the prophets in the Old Testament, which Muslims are fine with. They know about Adam and Noah and Moses. They start reading about, though, God's judgment, about sin, about repentance. And finally, they get to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and they're like, is that what he was doing? Is that why Jesus died? And they start to figure out that this salvation that comes through Jesus is for them. And so uh, Karen has been... Uh, uh, finished language school last October, started one group with a couple of ladies, next slide, uh, in our city, and through Ruth, Rebecca, Joni, and Susan, they started several small groups that turned into several more small groups by February or March. Um, when we left in July, it was up to 12 groups of women, mostly fives, 60 or so women, studying the word regularly, 
Only five had become believers. These four plus five more, about nine believers. And last week, we got a message that they'd started three more groups. So they're up to 15 groups, about 70 women, Muslim women, studying the scriptures together, only nine of which have come to faith. But the Muslims are showing other Muslims how to have Bible studies because it's so meaningful to be in the word of God and the Holy Spirit is just tugging them along, tugging them along, tugging them along towards Jesus. It'll take a few, few months, probably six months, before most of them are believers. Hopefully in the next six months, there'll be another dozen groups. Why? Because the fruit, once the vine is planted and the fruit starts to grow, it naturally multiplies, it naturally expands. It's not a forced thing. It's God's spirit using God's word to change people's lives from the inside out. And because it's not coming from outsiders, it's not Karen you know, standing up telling me, you're a bunch of pagans, follow the Bible. No, they're, they're like, there's a way of life in here. There's light and truth in here. There's forgiveness for the bitterness in your home. There's healing with your kids. There's hope for your marriage. And they start studying the scriptures. And together, these women, these four women themselves, have had terrible, terrible lives. Most of them have had domestic violence. That was actually Karen's connect with Rebecca. Um, but God is using these humble, poor women to share the word of God in home after home after home. Uh, Rebecca, the one in the black in the middle, showed up uh, because one of the ladies said, um, I've got 18 neighbors who want to join a group like this. What do I do? And Rebecca went out and divided them up and said, oh, no, you can only be in small groups. It doesn't work with big groups. So uh, uh, the ladies were like, four people in the group. My house, my house. These are Muslims begging to have the Bible brought to them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings fruit. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. We have to be careful. Sometimes our way of doing church, our way of talking about our faith, gets in the way of spiritual encounter with God. And we need to find ways that we can bring the love of Christ, the power of Christ through prayer, and the word of God together into people's actual social circles so that God can change them from the inside out. Not try to make them look like us before they believe. Come to my church, dress like this, sit like that. See if you like it for a while. Then pay attention and learn who God is. Somehow we got a little far away from the go into all the world and make disciples. And we said, come to church and maybe you'll be a disciple like me. That's not what God called us to do. He said, go. And the going part may lead to the coming part, coming and joining a family. But we have to get back to the go. Next slide. Um, I can't really share a lot of Karen's story other than to say that using very simple Bible study methods, these women have begun to encounter God. They share, their, they share some of the problems in their lives. They say, what does this scripture passage teach us about God? What does it teach us about Jesus? What does it teach us about people? And as God reveals truth in their lives, these very simple Bible studies are multiplying and multiplying. Um, Karen will tell you more if you, go, if you uh, are with her on Tuesday night. Uh, next slide. Um, but I want to emphasize that the scripture talks about trading sadness for gladness. Do you got any neighbors that are sad? You got anybody on antidepressants in your community? Are they, are they medicating with activities by staying busy? Are they medicating with alcohol? And hey, it's legal now, right? So it must be good. Um, really? Is that the only way we can find gladness? Um, 
We need to help people trade in sadness for gladness. We need to help them connect to somebody who cares about the deep root issues in their lives and not just the superficial feel-good. My son is on Hollywood sets. People are always coming up to him. Hey, could I have a little? Because they see he's like this bright guy. He's happy. He's talking. He's, could I have a little? You know, could you could you share a little? He says, sure, I'll share a little. He tells him about Jesus. Um, <laughs> Jesus on the inside, right? And um, man, people need to have answers that connect to their real problems. They want the superficial happy. That's important to them. But very few of them are willing to dig deep and find out what needs to be traded out to trade something in. What needs to be swapped out so that something new can be swapped in. So I want to go and look a little closer at, the, uh, at these verses. Next slide. About what God says about swapping. Because a friend of mine, Steve Smith, who's just gone to be with the Lord this year, very involved in the house churches movement in China, helped write the book called T for T, or Training for Trainers, How to Multiply uh, Small Groups. Steve also wrote a book called Spirit Walk, and Karen and I have been reading it these last couple months. And he has uh, summarized how do we walk in the Holy Spirit through a simple acronym called SWAP. It's about swapping our control of life for the Holy Spirit's control of life. It's about swapping our self-righteousness for the righteousness of Jesus. And he reminds us to swap. So if you want to take out the piece of paper and write anything down from this sermon, this is the little piece to write down, okay? We need, on our mission to glorify God, we're supposed to be what he calls a planting of the Lord. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Well, how did we become these strong, healthy places of refuge for people? You can imagine the oaks, the, the, the occasional cluster of oaks out in the desert or up in the dry hills here of, of, um, of the Santa, Santa Clara Valley. Those are places, it's your crossing. If you were on horseback, if you were walking these hills in the old days, you wanted to get under the oaks in the heat of the day. That was the place of shelter. That was the place of rest and refuge. And, and we are called to be this kind of people in our busy community, the place of rest and refuge where people can find shade and fruit trees also, an oasis in the middle of a desert. So SWAP stands for these four basic principles that help us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit day to day in our community. The first is S, surrender. We need to surrender to his will and to his every word. One of the things we do in these small Bible studies with people uh, among Muslims is they ask the question, if this is true, what should I obey today, right now? And they verbalize it with their friends. And so there's an obedience orientation to these Bible studies that's not just about getting more knowledge about God. It's what do I have to do if I'm really going to live in submission to God and his word today? Islam just means submit. Obviously, that can have a negative connotation if they're holding a sword over your head. But the, the, the real core of the, of the spiritually minded in Islam is, I want to submit my life to God. God's way is a better way. I want to submit to God. As we open the word of God together, as we surrender to God's will, the Holy Spirit has freedom to work in our lives. When we pray according to God's will, he answers our prayers. So waiting on God in prayer setting our hearts and our minds towards the things of God and waiting on God in prayer is one of those core ways that we experience the power of God and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. The third, the third dimension is avoid sin and let God root out all unrighteousness. I remember another one of those early verses I memorized as a kid, as a sophomore. Uh, Second Timothy, 
2.22 maybe. Um, Flee from youthful lusts and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. It helps to run with a crowd that's really pursuing Jesus. It helps to run with a crowd that is running away from sin because it's out there. The temptations, the lust, it's out there. The porn is out there. The power, the power surge and, uh, to, to get powerful, to have the latest gadgets, to have the nicest clothes, all of those temptations are around us here. Flee from youthful lust. Pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So we avoid, that's the flee, and we pursue, that's the run after. And it's about encountering God, and it's doing it with a group of people, people who can see the real you, people who know that, yeah, last week was pretty rough, kind of got off the rails for a while, right? But they know you, and they love you, and they help you with forgiveness. They help you experience God's transforming power. This is the way of swapping our old life for a new life the putting off of the old, the putting on of the new that we read in Paul's letters. We surrender, we wait in prayer, we avoid sin, actively avoid sin and the places where temptations happen in your world and we pursue after righteousness. So to say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that he's anointed me, yes, we're saved once and for all, but we're filled with the Spirit day by day. It begins with confession of sin. Surrendering, yes, God, you're right and I've been wrong in this area of life. Oh, come and fill me more, Holy Spirit. It's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit gets more of you, right? How much of the Holy Spirit, how much of your scheduled, your scheduled calendar is under the Holy Spirit's control? Do you have space in your life for that hurting lady at the laundromat? Do you have space in your life for the people who go to the coffee shop? Every, every morning they're down there trying to pull themselves out of, out, of, out of the dregs of life with another cup of caffeine. Do you have time for those people? We have to put ourselves in a place where the Spirit has more of us, more of our schedule, more of the margin of our lives, and more of our professional calling, where we bring our full creativity and God's power into, uh, into the, the workplace, the marketplace where we serve. So this is what we talk about in terms of swap. Let's live our lives full of the Holy Spirit. Because our mission is to glorify God as oaks of righteousness filled with the Holy Spirit. I really recommend this book, Spirit Walk by Steve Smith. It goes much into a lot more than just being filled with the Spirit. It's about evangelism and how we reach out and how movements are happening around the world. Spirit Walk by Steve Smith. Next slide. Finally, I want to focus on the fact that God does not just want quantity of fruit. He also is concerned about the quality of fruit. Many of the times God is talking about uh, giving fruit back to God, it's about the character of our lives, the shaping of who we are, how we act, how we live. That's why it's the fruit of the Spirit, our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's about quality. And in these verses it says, God will bring forth righteousness and praise, righteousness, obedience before the nations. Next slide. Um, and so... For example, with these women that, uh, that Karen is working with, um, one of the signs to their families and their households that whatever they're doing in this Bible study must be a good thing is their lives are changing. Wives are becoming uh, less bitter. Households are experiencing peace and joy. 
And um, this particular woman, Mary, struggled a lot with sin. Just put it right out there. She, for a couple of months, was doing some pretty bad stuff. And two months ago, she really repented. She really started pursuing God again. It was very noticeable in her neighborhood that she was pursuing righteousness and experiencing a new life through Christ. And then suddenly, last week, we got word that due to complications to diabetes, she suddenly died and left four kids behind. She was a widow. Uh, we don't know exactly what's happening. I think you said a, the, the aunt is taking care of the young children right now, uh, who also is not in a very, a very healthy place. But um, this has been a big disappointment, a big sadness for our team. Uh, they had just This was the picnic two days before we left uh, Indonesia. And um, would you just uh, hold up Mary in prayer this week? I'm sorry, Mary's friends, Rebecca in particular, the leader of this core team. Rebecca is just, she, Mary was like a sister to her, like the, the, the kid sister that went off the rails and did the wrong stuff. And she would periodically come back to Rebecca, and Rebecca would help her get her life together again and finally led her to the Lord. Would you pray for Rebecca? She's just really sad about the death of Mary and what's going to happen to Mary's children. Um, we talk about these movements and lots and lots of numbers and stuff and expansion, but it really boils down to people, people you care about, people that you've shared the Lord with. And uh, this little group of ladies has um, gone through a lot of sickness and a lot of financial problems, but especially the loss of Mary last week has just kind of taken the wind out of their sails a little bit. Karen's not there to directly be with them, but um, we'd appreciate your prayers for Mary. Next slide. Um, God does desire lots of fruit. You know, I, we're living right now down in uh, the Central Coast and out here, uh, even in this area in Santa Cruz, uh, there's strawberries everywhere, and strawberries shoot out these little runners that um, that start new uh, new shoots and start new plants. This is the way the gospel should spread. Wherever we go, there should be new little roots going down and new groups of people uh, coming to Christ. Next slide. So the final verse that I want to we want to look at this morning is in uh, verse 11, the bottom of, of Isaiah 61. First verse said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. But on the second, in the, in the end it says, For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. And that's what we're celebrating in this mission celebration today. That God is causing righteousness in changed lives, and praise worship of God to occur in all the nations of the world. Okay, there's a lot of unreached people groups still. Uh, there's a huge number of the world's population of Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims. As many as 80, 82, 85% may not personally know a single Christian. How in the world are they going to know Christ if they don't know a single Christian? We're not, we're not closing in yet on the Great Commission being done. But we are closing in on the beginning of the end because we're getting closer to a place where something is happening among most of the unreached peoples of the world, where for many generations nothing was happening among more than 50% of the world's population. That is changing. Uh, these movements that we're talking about, miraculous movements, spiritual movements to Christ, and I'll, use a, I'll, I'll be a little more objective since you're a bunch of Silicon Valley geeks. Uh, the analytics say, no. Um, 
when we, when we look at movements around the world, if it's grown, grown four generations deep, spiritual people who have spiritual children, spiritual grandchildren, spiritual great-grandchildren and beyond, that's a movement. If it has a thousand people in four generations, it's a movement. The numbers were in January 707 movements that big around the globe today. I heard in July it's hit 800. 800 movements, a thousand people or more, at least four generations of spiritual great-grandchildren. That's exciting. We need to praise God for that. This is unheard of. Let's praise God. Because more Muslims have come to Christ in the last 19 years than since the year 700 when Muhammad launched Islam. More Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years in your personal lifetime, in Robbie's personal lifetime, have come to Christ than in 13 centuries of evangelism combined. We are living in a different season of God's fruitful harvest ministry. This is harvest time. This is not time to sit on our laurels. This is time to get as many people, the priesthood of all believers, all of us out in the harvest, not waiting for a few professionals who've had all the training and stuff. That's not a bad thing. You wait for everybody to have a seminary degree to, to get out on the field, the harvest is going to rot. We've got to get people into the harvest. So our mission is to be fruitful and to grow fruit. God will bring the growth of quantity, the growth in quality. Fruit grows naturally in the soil. And he's, God is growing obedient people who will give God praise. I believe it was Tom Randall who uh, may have shared first in this church that um, missions exist because worship does not. I remember hearing that, him preach on that here a few years ago. Uh, John Piper has written a book on the whole subject. Missions exist because worship does not, but God is going to be worshipped. Every knee will bow before him, as we sang. They will either bow in sorrow because they did not follow, or they will bow in worship because they did follow. Uh, one, more, one or two more slides here. I, wanna, I want you to see when I'm talking about fruit multiplying. This is one of our 15 men's fruit maps uh, that is a where the gospel has spread through his discipleship groups to different cities and even different islands within Indonesia. This is a couple years old. The numbers are a little out of date. But um, little tiny small groups. This particular guy's group had one or two small groups that he was leading. A healing happened in a nearby neighborhood when he prayed for this woman who was, had big swollen limbs like elephantitis. She was, she was healed, got up out of bed. Um, all the neighbors heard about it ended up starting a few more groups in that neighborhood, that relatives in a nearby village, a few more in that neighborhood. Uh, some of those people were businessmen. They brought it to the city, started to spread along the North Coast Highway through those businessmen. So over a period of about five years, this guy suddenly had more than 10,000 disciples in small groups across the region. And it has multiplied. This is three-year-old this is three-year-old information. It's a lot bigger now than it was three years ago. In fact, this movement that we're a part of has doubled at least every 15 months, if not faster. That means in five years' time, it doubles four times. So if it's this year at about 200,000 Muslim background believers as of uh, April, June. June, it was 212,000 Muslim background believers. 
If it doubles in 15 months, like next Christmas, not this Christmas, we're going to be talking at 400,000 Muslim background believers in the movement that I'm connected to. And there's six other movements that we know of in Indonesia, one of which is almost as big as the one we're a part of. God is doing amazing things in this world, guys. Keep your eyes open and your ears open. Listen to the guys over at City Team. Listen to these brothers from South Africa. Uh, listen to what God's doing in Cuba. Where's, where's the hobby list? Listen to what God's doing in Cuba. The number of believers in Cuba. The number of baptisms in Cuba makes Silicon Valley look wimpy compared to the number of baptisms in Cuba right now. Um, God in Iran. Can we say that word here? We're not being broadcast. There's probably a million to 1.2 million believers in Iran today. If only it would happen in Turkey. Come on, Turkey. Pray for the Purdue's. Oh, it's got to happen in Turkey. But remember, Turkey was the center of the Ottoman Empire for centuries. There are very deep strongholds in Turkey that are holding back the spread of the gospel. But it's going to come. We're, we're praying for Turkey. Um, this is the way of God in our generation. Don't think, oh, missions, that's, that's what happened last century. Oh, no. Oh, no, this is the big century, guys. This is the one where the world's population is going gonna, is gonna to hit 10 or, 10 or maybe even 11 billion before it plateaus and goes down. 2050, you guys, when you're getting close to my age, the world's going to be at 10 billion people. More people who are going to go to heaven or hell than any other time in history. So let's get at it, okay? Let's get at it. Last, I think this is the last slide. We, wanna, um, we want to recognize that God is a fruit lover, that he is rejoicing over fruit multiplication. And some of you have said, well, can we see some of these stories? Can you show us some more data? There's a little uh, website there at the top, focusonfruit.org, if you want to write that down. What? Oh, that's wrong. Who wrote that anyway? I know who wrote that. It's focusonfruit.org, not .com. That's my mistake. Thank you, Karen. Focusonfruit.org. Um, we have a couple of books on there, e-books, and that's uh, one is a case, just case studies of how God is making these movements happen, and six different guys telling their stories of how it happened. Um, so, uh, in summary, then, um, go forward a slide. Go forward a slide. Um, our mission is to bring good news and bear much fruit. That's God's anointing on us to do. This good news carrying, like the sign says, proclaim the good news in Thailand, in South Africa, in North Carolina, Turkey, Indonesia, Colombia, Latin America, and there should be one more arrow, my recommendation to the missions team, right here. One arrow pointing down right here. That's where the good news has to be proclaimed. Secondly, uh, we do want to swap sadness for gladness. We want to meet people where they're hurting and bring them the life-changing message of Jesus. We want to be uh, living to glorify God as oaks of righteousness, filled with the Holy Spirit, surrendering, waiting on God in prayer, avoiding sin, and pursuing righteousness. And then finally, our mission is to be fruitful and to grow fruit. If you're not a disciple who's listening to God, you're not going to make disciples who listen to God. If you're not a disciple who is trying to walk in the Spirit, you're not going to have disciples who are walking in the Spirit. If you're trying to be a grandpa or a grandma with spiritual children and grandchildren and you're not working at walking in the Spirit, your children and your grandchildren are not also going to walk in the Spirit. This is discipleship is passing a pattern down. 
And one of the great joys of coming back to a church like this is I see the deep patterns of God in your lives. I know that Bob Hinckley has been reading a book, digging his heart into the scriptures, and it will bring to his Sunday school class deep, meaningful, valuable lessons from godly men and from the word of God every week he teaches. He always has. He always will. That's Bob Hinckley. I know that Derry and Gary will sing from their hearts with joy and enthusiasm and with years of going through good and hard things with God. And they will share humbly and deeply from their lives. There are patterns of Jesus embedded in this place. And my prayer for Blossom Valley Bible Church is that the Spirit of the Lord will anoint you to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the captives, sight to the blind, that they would know the favor of God in their lives. Let's pray. We do come to you, Lord. We're so grateful for your forgiveness of our many sins. We're so grateful that you've committed to us this message of reconciliation. We ask that you'll grow in us the love of the lost that has faded in our hearts, that you'll grow in us the joy of God, the joy in the word of God, to boldly proclaim that there is hope and good news and life in Christ, that we will pray over people and see healing in their souls, in their bodies, in their relationships. We pray that you will use us, God. Here am I, send me, Isaiah said. And then over the years, you unpacked so much of your wisdom into his life. Help us also to experience the power of the word of God, to pray for the power of the word of God to spread and bless through these movements happening in Cuba, in, in Africa, in, uh, in Indonesia, in parts of Asia, the church that's being persecuted in China. Lord, let us be part of the salt and light in this world. For we pray it now through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.